Amen. I've been preaching a series entitled, Behold and Honor. For those of you who haven't been with us, I'm going to do a quick recap so that today's message continues to make sense to everybody. When Jesus was on the cross in his dying moments, he said to John the Apostle, Behold your mother, and he pointed to his own mother. The point is, the word behold means to decipher, to decode, to dig through till you understand. And so often in life, we have failure in relationship because we have failure in the ability to behold. We deal with people on a surface level. You get crazy on a surface level, I will cut you off on that surface level. That's how we do life. And the Bible says that every one of us, though we were created in the image of God, we have fallen from that position. To behold is to take a person even at their broken place and to look beyond the brokenness and to understand, to appreciate what brought them to that broken place. You know, there's a song from years ago. It says, he looked beyond my faults and he saw my needs. I think that's one of the things I love about God the most. I mean, he gets me. He gets you. He gets all of us. Listen, be honest. Turn to somebody and say, we're all screwed up. We've all been messed up. Anybody here ever been messed up? Come on, be honest now. See, now keep your hand up in the air. Keep your hand up in the air. Turn around, look at how many friends you have. We all been messed up. Because the devil is a messer upper of people. And, but Jesus is a fixer upper of people. Can I get an agreement? Behold means to decipher. When somebody's in their crazy pajamas, when somebody's in their crazy mode, we need to take time and understand that person has as many scars in the battle of demons against humans as I do. And the same grace that God looks at me with and the same grace that God embraces me with is the same grace and the understanding that I need to have towards this person. Amen. We need to behold. We need to go beyond the surface and go past the crazy. How many of you have got a crazy button? Raise your hand. Come on. If you don't raise your hand, you're telling everyone I'm a liar. Not, not I'm a liar. You're a liar. So raise your hand again. How many of you have got two crazy buttons? How many of you have got a whole heap of crazy buns? Some people say, I'm just crazy. <laughs> to behold is to look beyond the fractures, to look beyond the idiosyncrasies, to look beyond the flaws, and to understand that there is a demon who has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's done a good job at messing people up. But if there is a demon who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, there has to be something to steal from. There has to be something to kill. There has to be something to 
destroy. And therefore, there has to be a creator. And if a demon comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he's come to make us less than what we're meant to be. You see, in the beginning, God created man to be in his image. I love that. A simple phrase like that gives me phenomenal hope. And I'll tell you why it gives me phenomenal hope. In the beginning, God created man in his image. That tells me that's my destiny. That's my purpose. That's who I'm meant to be. Thieves, demons, come to steal. They come to take away my purpose. They come to take away my position. They come to take away the status that God designed me to walk in and to live in. The revelation that I'm supposed to walk in and understand. I was created to be in the image of God. In the beginning, God created man in his image. Whether you act like it or not, whether you feel like it or not, whether people have affirmed that to you or not, maybe you had a lifetime of people telling you how ugly, how stupid, how horrible, how much of a mess up you are. It is irrelevant. In the beginning, God created us to be in his image. And that means that is my destiny. That is my purpose. That is my privilege. That is my honor. And that's who God believes I am. Can I get an agreement here today? To behold. The other thing that we established over the last few weeks is that the Bible teaches us to honor. In the New Testament, the word honor is the word tomeo, and it means to assign value. I've said this over and over again over the last few weeks. In this culture, in this broken world, we think we're very noble when we say, and when we live according to the saying, give honor where honor is due. And we think, how noble. Let me give you God's version of noble. God gives honor even where it hasn't been earned. And the first place he started was you. God loved us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He didn't treat us as we deserved. He treated us and assigned honor to us that we did not earn. You see, relationships in life would be very different. This world would be very different if we could only implement God principles. This is a God principle. The world principle is give honor where honor is due. A God principle is give honor. Even when a person doesn't act honorable, when we give honor, we are assigning a value to them. See, to give honor is to assign a value. To assign a value means, I think, that you are worthy of more than how you're acting. I think you are worth more than how you're behaving. And when we assign value to another person, we are actually preaching the gospel. We are saying God created you in his image. There's more to you than how you're acting right now. Now, if I say those words, that's like a slap in somebody's face. But if I just honor them irrespective, I am taking the anointing that God put on us 
the way he honored us. And I'm taking that same anointing that has become part of my salvation, my transformation, and I'm putting it on another person, whether they're saved or unsaved. The anointing of God is what changes us. And so when we give honor the way God gives honor, we are actually placing the anointing of God on another person. If we did relationship the way God does relationship, the world would be very different, wouldn't it? Absolutely. The world would be totally different. The whole purpose of preaching is to take God principles and to shake up your ideologies and challenge you this is how God thinks, and this is how God acts, and this is how I think, and this is how I act. I need to throw one of them away, otherwise I'll be double-minded. Which one am I going to throw away? How God thinks and how God acts? Or how I think and how I act? You see, when we throw away how we think and how we act, and we adopt a God principle, we start to live a God-filled life. You see, you'll never become godly until you start to live by God's principles. When we start to live by God's principles, we start to live a God-principled life. You don't change by changing behavior. People try to change by changing behavior. You don't change by changing behavior. You change by changing principles. When we change our principles... We principally change. <laughs> when we take the principles of God, we now think like God, we will start to act like God. Are you hearing me? And so the Bible teaches us to assign honor, to give honor. To assign means God literally writes, he ascribes or scribes honorable things onto me. I said last week, God speaks up to us. He doesn't speak down to us. Demons will talk down to us. God will always talk up to us. Demons will talk to you about your past. They will remind you of your failures, and they will point to your future and say, look at the mirror image. This is who you'll be for the rest of your life. Demons will talk down to you. God will always talk up to you. God will always talk up to you. Praise God. Who do you want to listen to, demons or God? No, honestly, I mean, do you want a choir of demons constantly telling you, you stink, you smell, you're useless, you're a failure? Or do you want to walk in the company of somebody who's always telling you, I believe in you, you're phenomenal, I put myself in you, I have recreated my image in you, there's more inside of you than you can even begin to imagine. I don't know. I mean, I tend to like hanging out with people who like me. I look for people who actually think I'm intelligent or smart or funny or nice to be around. I tend to avoid people who think, dude, you're just the lowest of the low. Why is it then we come into agreement and say amen to demons when they tell us what a failure we are? 
Why is it we come into agreement and we say, yeah, I'm stupid. Yeah, that was an idiot. I do terrible things. I'm a bad person. I don't deserve good things. We come into agreement with demons when we should come into agreement with God. Can I get an agreement? Okay. So last week I preached God beheld us. He looked, God so loved the world. What does that mean? God beheld us. He looked beyond our failures. He looked beyond our faults and he loved us. God looked beyond our faults and assigned value to us. I made a statement off the cuff last week. It's one of those things that just flew out of my mouth. And so I made it a point. I want to share it with you today. The reason we have trouble honoring people, the reason why we live in an honorless society, the reason why honoring someone doesn't come natural to us, the reason we have trouble honoring others is because we haven't learned the key to beholding. Put it up on the screen. What we can behold, we can honor. To behold is to look beyond the person in their present state, to look beyond their brokenness, and to appreciate that they're just as broken as we are as broken, and that we appreciate the fact that they've been through the warfare of demon, demonic activity against humanity, and they carry in their emotions and in their selves the scars of demons trying to beat humanity down. In other words, when I look at somebody's craziness, and I look at somebody's hurt, and I look at somebody's rejection, and I look at people's ugliness or hot buttons, I see me, and I remember that I'm just as broken if it wasn't for the grace of Jesus Christ. When we behold in that sense, it enables us to assign value and say, I am not going to treat you the way demons created you or recreated you. I'm going to treat you as God intended you to be. Wow. It changes the dynamics of relationship. So I wrote, what we can behold, we can honor. What we can decipher, what we can decode in a person's life, what we choose to understand helps us, we can assign value to. The second reason why we have difficulty in giving honor, the reason why we have such an honorless society is this. The second reason we have trouble honoring others is because the honor that God has assigned to us, we are so accustomed to undressing ourselves from. You see, God says that you are my beloved. And then the demon comes along and says, yeah, and you're stupid. And we'll agree. I make mistakes. I'm stupid. I'm a failure. I'm an idiot. And we say amen to what the devil preaches and we fail to say amen to what God says about us. It is so important to believe what God says about you because God will assign value to you and the devil will take value away from you. The devil is a thief, but God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Come on, can I get an amen here this morning? And so I have demons from my past who talk to me. But I need to talk to those demons 
from the position of who I am in Jesus Christ and tell those devils that they're wrong. They're wrong. I'm not going to listen to the voice of rejection. I'm not going to listen to the voice of despair. I'm not going to listen to the voice that devalues me. Who is a demon to devalue me when God has already assigned value to me? I want everybody here, I want everybody here to turn to somebody. Come on, turn to somebody. Just give them a glaze right now, a dead stare. Just look at somebody. And I want you to say this. As you're staring them now, come on, stare them. And say this here. God put a value on me. And the value he put on me is the price of Jesus' life. See, demons will take value away from you. God lives in an honoring environment, a culture of honor. We live in a world where there is no honor. We are constantly devaluing ourselves, and we're constantly devaluing others. And so even as Christians, we know what the Word of God says about us, but so often we get into a funk, and we start to talk about all of our negativities. We start to Agree that we're a failure. I'm a screw up. I did it again. I'll never get this right. I'm a loser. No wonder people don't like me. No wonder people don't want to hang out with me. And we come into agreement with demons who devalue us instead of coming into agreement with God who has assigned value to us. Yeah. You see, we think we only have value if we earn it. In this world, we say, give honor where honor is due. In God's kingdom, God gives honor even when honor isn't due because he understands the power of assigning value and putting people back in the position they were destined to live in. Amen. Come on. I'm going to plug my laptop in. I want you to know I don't need to get plugged in. I'm already charged up. I don't need an ever-ready battery. I have the ever-ready source. I have a Duracell. His name is Jesus. But my laptop, well, it's not as good as me. That's all I can tell you. All right? Okay. The second reason we have trouble honoring others is because God honors us and the honor he assigned us, we're so accustomed to undressing ourselves from the position God says he sees us in. And we are so accustomed to undressing ourselves, we just automatically undress everyone else. Yeah, I thought it was good. That's why I wrote it down. Gossip. The reason why gossip is such a terrible thing in God's eyes is because gossip is the epitome of not beholding someone and, assign, and not assigning value to them. You see, this is what gossip is. You tell me something juicy about Dave. Tell me something negative. Tell, tell me about all of his shortcomings and... Uh, I don't go to Dave, I hear you, I eat up the gossip, 
And rather than beholding him, I run with the gossip and say, oh, yeah, uh, hey, let me tell you about Dave. I mean, I got it from Belinda. She's married to the dude. Poor girl. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you so that you could pray for Belinda. Because Belinda told me this stuff about that you're not going to believe. If I behold Dave, when I hear Belinda, I go to Dave, and to behold Dave is to sit him down and say, Hey, Dave, I heard this, this, and this. What's the truth? Tell me your side of the story. To behold is to go beyond what we hear or see on the surface. And to decode, to decipher, to look into that person's life and realize there are reasons behind the crazy. Hello? Are you hearing me? When you go to the individual, rather than running with gossip, when you go to the individual, when you go back to the subject of the gossip, you are already honoring them by giving them an opportunity to explain. Do you know that when you listen to gossip and you receive gossip, whether you repeat it or not, you just receive it, you have already unclothed that person together with the person who gave you the gossip because you allowed the sentence to end there. You've left the doubt, you've left the negative image that someone else put in your head to remain in your memory bank. And we become just as guilty. The honorable thing to do is to give the subject the honor of being approached and say, hey, listen, I just want to get the record straight. I heard some crazy stuff, blah, 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 blah. They said you did such and such. What's up? I want to honor you. The moment we take time to hear the other person, we've already given them honor as a human being, and now we have an opportunity to behold them. And I got news for you. Even if everything the gossip said about her was correct, we don't give honor where honor is due. We give honor even where honor isn't due. Amen. We treat the other person the way God treats us every second of every day. Amen, amen. Hello? Amen. See, because there isn't a second that I suck in wind and breathe out again that I deserve God's grace or God's mercy. And so when I treat others beyond the crazy, beyond the dysfunctional front. When I go beyond and I see, you know what, I don't know what her history is, but obviously she's been hurt, she's been wounded, she's got issues, so do I. She has the same scars of the wars of the, the demonic realm against humanity that I carry. I am not, I am not going to listen to that voice. I'm going to give honor even though honor isn't due. Somebody say that's good teaching, Pastor Ron. God says positive things about us, 
But we are so used to not believing it, we are so used to discounting it, it becomes natural to undress ourselves. God clothes us with honor, and we take it off. And it becomes so natural, we read these positive statements, and we believe them for five minutes, and then we are convinced again how useless we are, how stupid we are, what a failure we are. And it is so customary to us that it's just natural for us to undress everybody else around us as well. My sermon title this morning is Stop Undressing Everyone. The reason why gossip is such a terrible sin is because it's the epitome of not beholding and not honoring. Okay, last week I said, I shared this scripture in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. It says that the Son, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. The Son is the image of the invisible God. And when we look that up in the Greek, the word image is the word icon. Now today, an icon is something that represents a company, an organization. Uh, it becomes an icon, a legendary in a sense. Here in the Greek, the word icon means to be a mirror representation that exactly reflects its source. So Jesus Christ became the icon of God. He became the image bearer of God on earth. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That's what he said to his disciples. He asked them, who do people say I am, right? And in this conversation, he says to them, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father because he is an image bearer of God. How many of you agree that Jesus is the exact mirror image of God the Father? Would you agree on that? Absolutely. All right. But in John chapter 1, and I shared this last week, in John chapter 1, verse 11 to 13, it says Jesus came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. But whoever did receive him and believed in his name, he gave them the right to be children of God, children born not of a natural descent or of human decision or of a husband's will, but children born of God. I made the point last week, this is an analogy, a parallel. It cannot be a parallel unless it parallels. And he says, the same way you were born of natural parents and bore the likeness of natural parents, now, if you believe on Jesus Christ, you will be a son of God. You bear the likeness of God. If you are a son of God, if you are born of God, born again, you are sons of God. God beheld us. Repeat after me. God beheld me. He looked beyond my brokenness. He looked beyond my crazy. And he saw my hurts. And he understood me. And he got me. And he loved me anyway. God beheld us and God honored us. He ascribed honor to us where we had no honor. Okay? I'm going to skip a verse for the sound team. We're going to jump down to Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. 
In Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. He's talking to us. Put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of the one who created us. That word image is icon. So Paul is saying, put on the new man who's meant to be the icon of God. Every one of you, if you are born again, you are a son of God. And the son of God is a mirror image. He is the icon of God the Father. If you are born again, if you accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are a son of God and you bear his likeness. Paul says here in Colossians, now put on the new man who is an icon of God. Listen, in Genesis, God created man in his image. But Satan came. He destroyed the image of God in Adam and Eve's mind. And if you're created in the image of God, you destroy the image of God, you destroy the image of you. And so Satan destroyed the image of God in Adam's heart, and he destroyed the image of Adam. And the world is filled with Adams with a destroyed image. Jesus comes as the last Adam, he is a mirror image of the Father, and he says you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. You are born into the first Adam, and you are a mirror image of all of his brokenness. But when you get born again, you will take on the mirror image of everything I am, and I am a mirror image of the Father. Now turn to somebody and say, you're looking at the mirror image of God. See, this is very biblical. Theologically, I can prove this to you from many, many different sources. But Paul says, put on that new man who was created in the image of the one who created him. Now turn to somebody and say, I am a God bearer. I bear his image. Everything good that is in my Father is also in me. How do we put on this new man? In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says, Don't conform to the world. All the principles that you have lived by, that you have been taught by your parents, all the principles you've lived by, maybe you've been taught by religion. All the principles that you have adopted and you live by, you've picked it up from your friends, you've picked it up from doing life, you've picked it up from our American culture. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Two times the word transformed is used in the New Testament. This is the first time. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, I'm preaching to you today, and what I'm doing is I am presenting God principles, and you're challenged with the fact that you've got other principles in your head. And Paul says, if you want to be transformed, stop conforming to the principles that you learned from your mom and dad. 
Stop conforming to the principles you learned from your own history with other broken people. Stop conforming to the principles you've learned from your particular cultural group. Stop performing from the principles that you've adopted in this worldly life and take hold of God principles because when you renew your mind, you take out these old principles and put God principles in your head. It is the key to transformation in your heart. Come on. Don't conform to this world. Get rid of, understand. Are we all adults here? I got a few kids. Poo-poo in, poo-poo out. The principles of the world are corrupted. And you have to recognize, you know what? Everything I've been taught isn't right. And if I exchange what I've been taught for what the Word of God says, it's the key to transformation. You will stay the way you are if you keep believing what religion told you. You will stay the way you are if you keep living the way the, wor- the things the world has taught you. You will stay the way you are if you keep living by the determinations you made based on some of your experiences in life. But if we're willing to take those principles out of our head and not be conformed by the world or what the world has done to us, and we take hold of God principles, Paul is saying in this verse, that is the key to a transformed life. That's powerful, isn't it? The second time the word transformed is used is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And it says, and we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and we are being transformed into his image. That word image, it's the same Greek word icon. As we contemplate on what God looks like, when we contemplate on the right image of God, look, In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve allowed their image of God to be distorted and they became broken. The Bible is saying that as we behold the image of God, not religion's image, not your hurt church experience image, But when we look into the word of God and we see who God really is, as we behold or contemplate the Lord's glory, we will be transformed into his image. We will be transformed into his icon. We will start to become God image bearers with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Wow. God said, I created man in my image. Satan said, I want to destroy that. You have to understand something very fundamental and extremely important. Lucifer's fall comes about because he was given a position of glory and honor, but he wasn't satisfied. Arrogance got to his heart and he said, I'm bigger and better than God and I will exalt my throat above his. He lusted 
for the image of God and greater. And the Bible says that he fell, that was his moral fall, and became a decrepit, broken image of what he once was. Demons have no comparison to angels. Demons are not the polar, uh, they are not the counterpart of angels. Demons are less powerful than angels. When Adam fell, he lost his glory. He lost his status. He lost his power. He became less than what God created him to be. We think of demons as just being evil angels. No, they are fallen angels. They have fallen from their high position, and they are less powerful, and they are less than angels in every sense of the word. Hello? Now, I'm throwing that in as a bonus so that you understand demons don't even match up to God's angels. Hello? That's a good point, isn't it? If man fell and became less than what he was, then surely when angels fell, they became less than the status God created them in. Can we agree on that? Demons are less than even angels. And we fear demons. Don't fear them. Know who you are in Jesus Christ. But here's Lucifer. Remember, his fall was about the fact that he lusted after the image of God and wanted to be bigger and better. Now God stoops down on the earth. He bends down, makes a mud bath, and carves out a human being out of the clay of the earth. And he breathes life into it. And suddenly, this clay-like figure comes alive and it bears the image of God. And Lucifer and demons are looking and they see on something that is created lower than the angels and yet it's crowned with glory and honor. <laughs> Humanity became the envy of demons. Humanity became the target. Everything Lucifer lusted for, you were created in before the fall. And so Satan said, look, since they're created in the image of God, if I put a broken image of God in their minds and get them to believe that God isn't all that, I will change their image because they are meant by God's law to be a reflection of the God they behold. And so he broke the image of God in man's mind and he broke the image of man and ever since we've lived in, lived in a fallen world and in a fallen state. Jesus comes as the exact representation of God. You bore the likeness of the first Adam. Jesus said to enter the kingdom of heaven you must be born again. Why? Because when you're born again, you'll bear the image of the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Turn to somebody right now, quickly, find somebody. If you gotta turn to the back, turn to the back. Whatever you gotta do, grab somebody's eyesight and say, repeat after me. You're looking at some hot stuff. If you're an image, if you're a mirror image of God, you are some hot stuff. 
You cannot be blaspheming. You cannot be incorrect. God originally created us to be image bearers of who he is. The devil came to take that away. Jesus came to bring it back. So I don't care what you think about my physique or my shape. You're looking at some pretty hot stuff. This is hot property right here. Come on. It's hot property. Spit on me and it'll sizzle. We have to change our belief systems that have been conformed from the world. My childhood taught me that people will always reject me. I have to not be conformed by the principles I learned in my early child life. I've got to take hold of the principles of God's word and it will transform who I am. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the principles you have believed in the past and take on the principles that are written in the word of God. Somebody give me an amen. So this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18 says, we all with unveiled faces contemplate on the Lord's glory. I'm gonna read it to you from another translation. I want you to see this from another angle. In the New King James translation, this is what it says. We all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. Stop. Isn't it cool to know that God created man in his image and the devil broke us and Jesus came back to recreate us in the image of God. You see, the gospel of salvation will say this. You're a sinner. You're going to hell. If you ask Jesus in your heart, he'll forgive you of your sins. You're a sinner saved by grace, and you're going to go to heaven. The gospel of the kingdom of God says, you were meant to look like God. That's your destiny. The devil came and stole that from humanity. And Jesus Christ has come as the last Adam, and he will never surrender his position and the same way you bore the likeness of the first Adam, now that you're born again, you bear the likeness of the last Adam. And yes, one day you'll go to heaven, but the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is now. And God isn't filling his kingdom with sinners saved by grace. God is filling his kingdom with people who were sinners. They are saved by grace. Now they are sons of God. They look like God. They act like God. They talk like God. And you might say, but I don't do that yet. God raised the ceiling. You see, when God beheld us, he also ascribed honor. When God ascribed honor, he raised the ceiling. He said, that's who you were. This is who I see you as. And this is who you are. This is who you are. He assigned honor to us. I didn't earn the position. Heck, 
day by day. Sometimes I hit it, sometimes I don't. That's my free will. Sometimes I choose to act like a son of God. Sometimes I forget who I really am. How many of you, if anyone here has had decent parentage and they taught you good values, raise your hand. All right, put your hand down now. Have you always lived up to what you were taught? Okay. It doesn't mean that what you were taught isn't in you. It's in you. But sometimes we choose to live less than. What God did in the gospel of the kingdom, he says, you're not a sinner saved by grace. That's what religion says. No, I'm saving you. I'm not just forgiving your sins and giving you a ticket to heaven one day. I'm building my kingdom here on earth right now, and it's not filled with sinners saved by grace. Oops, give me a bit more grace. Oops, give me a bit more grace. I'm filling my kingdom with transformed people who are sons of God, who are mirror images of Jesus Christ because I want to infiltrate the earth. I want to populate the earth with sons of God. I want men and women who go to church who will profess to be born again to understand there is more inside them than what religion has told them. There is more in you. There is a God nature in you there is a Christ nature in you. You will never be God. I will never be God. But we are blessed to look like God. Amen. Amen. So Paul literally says, as we look into the mirror, as beholding as in the mirror the glory of God, we are being transformed. So God's word is a mirror. Okay? It's not going to crack. If you look at it, it won't crack. And as I look into this mirror, I see the word of God. And I see the image of God. And I look in here and it says things like, Behold, old things have passed away. You're a new creation. And as I look into the image of God and the word of God, I see the image of Rob Scarallo. But what I also see is the verses that are written on this mirror. So I can't see the image of me without seeing those verses written over the image of me. And as I behold the image of God in his word, and as I behold what God says about me, and I see my, my face, but I see the verses of God inscribed on me. He beheld me and he gave me an honor I don't deserve. He raised the bar. He said, I'm putting more potential in you than you ever had. I'm not just forgiving sinners and taking them to heaven. I am bringing you back to what you were meant to be in the beginning. That's God's concept of salvation. He's not Salvation isn't just a little fix-up point. Well, I'll, I'll forgive you and I'll let you in the back door. No, he says, I created you to bear my image and now I sent my son to save you so that you will bear my image. Hallelujah. Religion will tell you you're forgiven and you're going to heaven and we're really happy about that. And that's good. It's awesome. But there's something better. God has redesigned me. God has redesigned you and recreated us into the image of God the way we were always meant to be from the beginning. Amen. 
Now the point is, we need to read our Bible and we need to believe what it says because as we think about who God is, based on what the Bible says, not religion, as we read what the Bible says, we're looking in a mirror. And as I see Rob Scarallo, I see the fact that it says, I am the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And it's ascribed across my image. And the more I look into the image of God and I behold as in a mirror, as I keep seeing the fact that the word of God says who I am, I start to be transformed by the spirit of God into his image. You know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a thousand hand mirrors and have a scripture printed on it so every time people looked at it, they'll see, behold, if anybody is in Jesus Christ, the old is past, the new has come, you're a whole new species. That's what it says in the Greek. You're a whole new species. Let me give you another scripture as I conclude here. Two scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. You see, this might sound strange because we're so conditioned by religion. We've heard the gospel of salvation. Come to Jesus, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. Tell him you're sorry. Beg a little bit. And he'll forgive you. And voila, you get a ticket a key to enter the kingdom of heaven. The gospel of the kingdom of God is, I meant for man to rule the earth. I created man in my image. I'm coming back, Jesus. I've established a kingdom here on earth. I'm gonna save you from what you are and save you back to what you were meant to be. And I'm going to fill my kingdom here on earth with men and women who understand they're not just sinners saved by grace waiting to go to heaven. They are sons of God now. And they look like me. And everything that's in me is in them. And that might sound blasphemous. Let me prove it to you from the scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Having been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible seed through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. How many of you are born again? Raise your hand. If you're born again, raise your hand. The Bible says you're born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible seed. What does that mean? I'm not just born of the seed of Alfonso and Mary Scarallo. Good people, but they were, they had their crazy buttons, okay? And I was born after them, and I had crazy buttons. But now, I am born again, but not with the crazy buttons. I am born again, not of a corruptible seed. I'm born again of an incorruptible seed. Wow. I'm not just a sinner saved by grace, holding on to a ticket to heaven. I am born again of an incorruptible seed. Watch, Peter takes this further. 
in his next letter, 2 Peter chapter 1, also in chapter 1, he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power has given me, now stand verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Turn to someone. Find another person. Turn to somebody. Yeah, no, you've been turning to her all day. You're going to preach to the preacher. You ready? Everyone repeat after me. God, God has, given me. has given me. It's inside me. It's inside me. Right now. Right now. Everything I need. Everything I need. To live a God-filled life. To live a God-filled life. See, that's very different than being a sinner saved by grace. Being a sinner saved by grace is the admission you're a screw-up, but God is really good. And he's going to overlook it and take you to heaven. But the gospel of the kingdom of God says, no, you were a screw-up. I'm recreating you. When you get born again, instead of bearing the likeness of the first Adam, you're going to bear the likeness of the last Adam. I'm putting the God stamp back in your life. I'm putting the mirror image of God back inside of yourself. Don't call yourself a fool. Don't call yourself an idiot. Don't let people treat you like you're nothing. You are a mirror image of God. When demons sit on your shoulder, they're going to sit on your shoulder for one reason and one reason only. If you're going to translate, you got to slap them on the shoulder like I slapped you. <laughs> Everything I do, you got to do. If you're going to be a translator, you got to do what I do. Are you ready? Yeah. You tell that devil. Don't fool with me, devil. There you go. Don't sit on my shoulder, devil. No, 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 I did it harder than that. Don't sit on my shoulder, devil. I'm not going to believe that lie. Oh, you're too kind, man. Whose belief systems are you going to believe? Whose principles are you going to live by? Are you going to be conformed by your life history? Are you going to be shaped and molded by what happened in your child? Are you going to be shaped and molded by what religion told you? Or are you going to be shaped and molded by how God thinks? This is how God thinks. It comes straight out of his word. He says, I have given you... Uh, everything you need for life and godliness. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So, look at me and repeat to me. God's divine power has already given me everything I need. To be a successful Christian, God's divine power, when I got born again, put the Jesus stuff inside of me. Remember Jesus? Thank you, Daniel. He repeated what I said and pounded his chest. Remember I said Jesus is the mirror image of God, the icon? Okay, now we are born again in Christ, 
and we have the mirror image of God in us. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life to our knowledge of him who has called us by his glory and goodness. Now watch verse 4. Through these he has given us precious promises so that through these promises you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world. The promises of God are written on the mirror. As I look at God, I see the image of Rob Scarallo, and I see God has given you everything you need for a godly life. Through his divine power, he has supernaturally changed the stuff that's inside of you. And everything that was broken is now touched by the Holy Ghost. And now the character and the qualities and the attributes and the abilities that are in Jesus Christ are in you. So that you, Rob Scarallo, can live a godly life. Wow, I like the new me. I like the way I look. And the Bible says that as we behold the image of God, it's like looking into a mirror. And as we look at that image and the image of God and his goodness, we are transformed by the spirit of God into the image that we are beholding. Isn't that phenomenal? Some of us... You know what we all need to do? We all need to go home, walk into our bathrooms, and get a, a crayon or an erasable marker and write on our mirrors. You're not who you used to be. You're awesome. Amen. You're not. <laughs> Through these great and precious promises, we participate in the divine nature. How could I participate in the divine nature and only be a sinner who's saved by grace? You're a sinner. You're a screw up. You're a mess up. I would have thrown you out, but I, God, am so wonderful, I'm going to just touch you with grace and say, okay, I'll let you in. That's what the gospel of salvation says. The gospel of the kingdom says the devil messed you up. The devil broke you. But in the beginning, I created you to be an image bearer of me. Accept my son, and you will be born into his image, and everything that is in my son is in you, because I'm creating a new species. And I close with 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, raise your hand again if you're in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. I want you to burn the image of this mirror in your head. As you look at God in all of his beauty, as you look at Jesus in all of his wonder, as you behold the image of him, the Bible says we are being transformed into that same image. Through his precious promises, he allows us to become partakers of the divine nature. Everywhere where I am broken, everywhere where I am fractured, I look into God's word and I see the new Rob Scarallo. 
and I speak the word of God over me. God penned it so I could read it. And when you read it, you're saying it to yourself in your head. Learn how to take God's word and write it on the mirror of your vision and see the word of God written on you. That's how God ascribes value. It's how God gives honor. Demons will sit on your shoulders and say, not true, not true. And you could agree with them and say, I am a screw up, I am a mess up, I am a failure, and you can undress yourself. Stand up, Dave. Stand in the middle. We are so used to undressing ourselves. You don't even have a t-shirt on? Just a little bit of shoulder. There you go. We're so used to undressing ourselves when God has clothed us with honor. God has clothed us with Jesus. God has clothed us with supernatural abilities. God has clothed us with a transformed nature. We look in the mirror of who we were and we say that's who we are. When we're meant to look in the mirror of God's word, that tells us who we are so that we will agree with who we are. You see, I've taught you the principle to behold and to give honor. What God has done is he has beheld us and he has given us honor, even though we haven't earned it. As I look into God's word, I behold and I start to ascribe honor to me based on the promises of God. Who am I? I'm a God image bearer. I'm created in the image of my Father. That's what I was destined for in the beginning. And that's what my salvation is all about. It's not just a ticket to heaven. I'm pretty mean stuff. I'm pretty awesome. Everything inside of me is pretty incredible. I have abilities I haven't even tapped into. If you think this is good, wait till I get to the next chapter of who I am. Stand up with me. You enjoyed this when I did this before, so I'm going to get you to do it again. Turn to somebody again. Turn to somebody. Carl, come around here. Look this lady in the eyes. Turn to somebody. If you've got to get with three people, here, look at me. Repeat after me, everybody. I am a new creation. I am born again. I don't look like the first Adam. I look like the last Adam. I have been recreated into the image of God. You're looking at some hot stuff. This is hot real estate. Come on, say it. This is hot real estate. This is hot real estate. Every day of your life, some demon will come along, maybe in the body of your best friend, and they'll say, you're not all that, girl. And you're going to say, oh, yes, I am. Because I'm a new person. I'm a new creation. 
the old is gone. Behold, the new has come. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you close your eyes with me? The industry of transformation, the industry of changing how we look, from cosmetic surgery to getting our nails painted to getting our eyebrows sculpted. I had mine sculpted. They took them away completely. <laughs> Losing weight, going to the gym, firming up. We all choose how we want to be transformed. It might be through the label of clothing we wear, the image, the style we adopt, the cars, the house we live in. The industry of transformation, changing our image, it's everywhere. It is a multi-billion dollar industry. From cars, houses, to makeup, to hairstyles, to clothing, to physical fitness, to surgeries to alter your appearance and nothing will change you like being transformed into the image of God Amen. and the only way that can happen is if you come to Jesus Christ and say Jesus I need you every one of us need him every one of us have been broken And every one of us are broken. And when we come like a humble child, simple, and we're willing to believe that something as simple as this can literally start to change our lives, it's the faith of a child, Jesus said. Maybe you've been to church. Maybe you've been baptized in 10 different churches. That's not what's going to change you. And religion will never change you. But having a relationship with Jesus Christ and allowing him to come into your heart and being born again is what the multi-billion dollar industry of transformation cannot do. And Jesus will do it in one moment because he loves you. Whoever you are, wherever you are in this auditorium or on live stream, if you have never said yes to Jesus Christ, if you've never asked him to come into your life and live in you, that's the beginning to finding the you you were always meant to be. That's the beginning of coming into connection with your destiny. If you have never asked Christ into your heart and you want to see the you that God really created you to be, raise your hand right now. Come on, raise your hand and say, I want to accept Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put your hands down. Who else? Raise your hand right now. If you haven't already, raise your hand and say, yes, I want to accept Jesus today as my Lord and my Savior. That's awesome. Three people, uh, four people have raised their hand. Come on, put your hands together for them right now. How incredible. A life with Jesus is a life coming back into our destiny. I want everyone to pray this prayer. Those of you who raised your hand especially, I want you to mean this as you pray it. But let's all pray it. Dear God, Dear 
I thank you so much for loving me. Jesus, I believe you are God and you died on the cross for me. I accept you. I believe you. I want you. Jesus Christ, forgive me for all my sins. I'm asking you to live with me forever. I want you to lead me and I'm going to follow. Now thank you Jesus for accepting me and hearing my prayer and thank you God for loving me, for beholding me and honoring me. I receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give them a big round of applause again. God bless you. Behold and honor. So when you see yourself, whether you're looking in a literal mirror or not, when you're reflecting on yourself, when demons are beating on your emotions and telling you you're such a failure, what are you going to behold? I'm going to behold the image of my Father and remind myself I'm created in that image. I may not always live up to it, but it doesn't change the fact that image is inside of me. And I'm going to behold and I'm going to ascribe honor on myself by reading what God says about me and looking in the mirror of His Word and seeing God's Word written all over me. And I'm going to say, that's who I am. I believe I am who God says I am. I am hot stuff. I am prime real estate. I am filled with all the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's why I can do all things through Jesus Christ. I refuse to see the limitations of my past When the blood of Jesus is on me, I can only see the potential and the vastness of the image of God in me. Amen. Amen. Have you enjoyed this series?